Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Plenty to discuss today. DeAndre Jordan introduced to the L.A. media. Chris Webber headed to the Hall of Fame. Would he have gotten there faster if not for the Lakers? And we'll keep that uh, Locked on Lakers mailbag open for you. All that coming up next on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to tell you first that Fridays on Locked On uh, NBA, Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavericks and Adam Mayers of Locked On Nuggets power ranked the week that was in the NBA. Follow Locked On, uh, the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, Andy, before we get too deep into this, we have to go to the Department of uh, Corrections and Retractions to our Department of Corrections and Retractions, because apparently you screwed up yesterday's uh, correction and retraction. Yes, a retraction to the retraction during Thursday's show, which is a retraction uh, during Wednesday's show. Steph Curry's name was not mispronounced during his pitch meeting with Under Armour in 2013, where he eventually signed, and I had uh, said that's how it went down during Thursday's show. You said they screwed up the meeting, almost like the Lakers screwed up the first LaMarcus Aldridge pitch. Right, and apparently the second one wasn't that great either. But anyway, (laughs) um, this actually happened during the Nike meeting, where his deal had expired. They were looking to re-up with Steph. That and other mix-ups made Steph feel under-prioritized by Nike, led him signing with Under Armour. So I am now officially done, Brian, telling the story. Just know that Kent Bazemore opened the door for Steph at Under Armour. Everything else, Google the shit yourself because I'm useless. <laughs> like, I, I'm I'm just butchering what is just kind of a fun story. Andy is an unreliable narrator of a lot of things. All right, so uh, DeAndre Jordan introduced to the LA media on Thursday. Thursday. I was disappointed. I was hoping somebody would be like, hey, DeAndre, can you explain this whole Marc Gasol thing? Uh, and he would lay it out for us. Uh, that's not how it turned out. Uh, you know, he didn't even real, really reveal much about how he expects to be used or how much he expects to play or anything like that. I, I don't know if that was by design or just the questions that were asked, but he didn't didn't reveal a whole lot in terms of that would give Lakers fans a clue as to how he might be used. No, the vibe I got, like we had talked about um, in an earlier show about some of the older veterans and the playing time issue for Frank Vogel. I got the impression that DeAndre Jordan um, is of the mindset. Like it seemed to me, other guys are that, you know, my role could be a bit fluid. I'm not expecting to be a focal point or anything close. I am here for, the experience. I mean, that, fundamental to his answer is, you know, why did it, you know, kind of break up in Brooklyn? What's that process like? He wanted out of there because he wasn't going to play. Sure, and but I, I mean, presumably, that, in coming here is a better chance of playing, which absolutely. I think is true. But, yeah. but you know, it's not just you know, he, you want to go somewhere where you can win, but he wants to go somewhere where you can win okay. and play because he that, was that part felt understood. Yeah, that part felt understood to me. But yeah, you're correct. That That is obviously a part of the equation. Um, the, I thought the most interesting part was actually uh, Kyle Goon of the Orange County Register kind of referred to the rivalry that's growing really between the, the Nets and the Lakers. Um, they were the title favorites last year. Both teams derailed by injury. They are, again, the title favorites this year. And DeAndre Jordan is obviously sort of switching sides in that equation. And he was sort of asking him what it's like. And, you know, the answer was what you would expect. No, no bulletin board material and any of that. But he, the, the, 
the characterization of this and the framing of this rivalry between the Nets and the Lakers, I think is 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 so interesting because A, it's true. They are seen as rivals because they are the favorites to win a title. B, the number of storylines that link these teams together and the players and the 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 postseason battles and all are are like endless. And it's probably gonna get more when like inevitably Kevin Love gets bought out and ends up in Brooklyn or something like that. Just adds one more layer, but you know, Westbrook and Harden and Durant, all that stuff. But they've never actually played. I mean, like, literally, these teams have never played as this incarnation of themselves, like, ever. It hasn't happened. We have no idea what it looks like. Well, we, we were talking about offline, Brian, how this reminded me a lot of in 2009, 2010, 2011, LeBron versus Kobe and the puppets. And, you know, the, the finals matches that we were promised for years by NBA marketing and Nike and those lying ass puppets like we we thought that we were going to be getting this for years and it never materialized or really ever came anywhere close to materializing and in a lot of ways that rivalry between LeBron and Kobe I mean beyond just personally they both wanted to be better than the other but that would be that would be going on between them no matter who elite player x was across the league for all intents and purposes, that rivalry was completely manufactured, like in terms right, of what it, actually happened versus completely. the way it was presented. It was manufactured. And, and it had a tremendous impact, though, on the way that LeBron was perceived in L.A. Oh, like that was an enormously. <laughs> I hadn't you know, picked up on that. When LeBron signed, like that was one of the, the things that we sort of talked about in that, you know, we were doing radio at the time, you know, and just needless to say, like marathon sessions on 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 the Lakers station doing this, like there was some still some resistance, and it was left over from that. LeBron has been given the stuff that Kobe, um, you know that that Kobe never got, like you know the 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 love, the 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 coronation, all of this stuff, and it just goes to show, like there are two ways that these rivalries can work. It can be based on on the floor stuff, this and that. Like for years, the Lakers and Celtics had sort of juice in a rivalry that was functionally meaningless because the Celtics were so bad for so long. You know, it revived a little bit. Now it's kind of a fun game, if nothing else. But like the LeBron Kobe thing was real. Like the the these guys, I, you know, I, I don't know how the markets are going to react, and it's a different context. And Kobe was. A little older, LeBron was a little younger and ascending. Most of the the players involved in this rivalry now, the six elite guys, are all made dudes who are older at different parts of their careers and whatever. But it does go to show you don't necessarily have to have this long history of games and meaningful battles to make something kind of into a potentially fun rivalry. I know I am incredibly excited to watch these games get played. And you mentioned LeBron versus Kobe, Lakers versus Clippers. All these we've not gotten a lot of these. And God damn it, if we don't get this one this year, I'm going to be upset. Well, as I've said many times, Brian, fear not. The league is going to rig this to happen. But like you did, though, hit on something that I think is really interesting about this. In that there's a difference between a real rivalry, like a heated, true rivalry, and what can still be a fun rivalry. 
Mm-hmm. And this right now, I think, is already before either of these teams, like you said, in this carnation has played you know full strength in games that really could be fun. Hasn't happened yet. It's already fun just because the imagination allows it to be fun. It's not real yet. I remember years. Yeah, I, remember- right. I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, not only have they not played against each other, they barely played with each other. Like, sure. In, in this form, like last year, the Lakers were hurt. Last year, the Nets were hurt. You're right. I mean, it. it we have no idea what any of this looks like. But like, I remember Kobe talking about uh, the Celtics right around the time when uh, they played him in 2008 Finals, lost, uh, played him in 2010, won, and Kobe, you know, who was a massive, massive historian of the game, and, and particularly the Lakers. That was the team that he mm-hmm. grew up rooting for before he ever became one. He even said when he first came into the league, it was difficult for him to really get up for the Celtics because as much as he knew that history and as much as why it mattered, you know, they weren't good. And there's only so much, you know, animosity that you can generate without it being rooted in something. Like for him, the Spurs and the Kings were much more of a real, and we'll get into that later on, talking about C-Web and the Hall of Fame and, you know, that, that oh, 2002. That was a real deal. Like teams that didn't like each other, players that yeah. didn't like each other. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. that Go back was. Clippers, Clippers, Grizzlies a few years ago. Like there are teams where you can see, that's where you have to have the, the yeah. guys who play on the same conference. You see each other four or five times. You've played in the playoffs. So that's where it's necessary. But this, um, either way, though, should be really fun, should be really entertaining. Yeah, and last thing on DeAndre Jordan, we are next week going to have the guys from Locked On Nets come on the show, talk a little bit about what we're talking about now, uh, but then also little scouting on DeAndre Jordan to see if he can be more of a useful player uh, here than he was last year in Brooklyn. And obviously, Jordan said, "What what's your role here? Uh, I'm going to catch lobs, and I'm going to try to protect the rim. So he knows what, he knows what he's supposed to do. Um, all right, so let's go back to the mailbag. Got a great question about the young players on the Lakers and which one is most likely to break out. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. It's that time of year again. All eyes are now turning to football. Teams back on the gridiron starting the football season. And as always, Bet Online, your number one spot for all the pro and college football action. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at BetOnline. Head to the website, use your mobile device today, sign up, receive your 100% welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football to basketball to boxing, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers for the 2021 season. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Experts, use the promo code locked on. So, I mean, if you're going to be doing all that watching of sports, let me ask you, does this sound familiar to you at all? You've got one device, you're catching the game live, another, you're streaming your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, you've got your neighbors, girlfriends, wives, you know, husbands, uh, daughters sign in because you're just like stealing things, you know, and you can't, you can't afford to do it yourself. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all this entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like nothing before, so you can watch favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It means no more juggling remotes, no more need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more about Direct TV, uh, learn more about it at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Um, a compatible device is required and content varies by package. Uh, we mentioned, Andy, on Thursday's show that we got a bunch of really good 
mailbag questions and we didn't even have a chance to get to all of them and we tried to do more of that so here we are um great one from john smith at boom shaka um which young laker he asks has the quote breakthrough season i.e career highs and starts or minutes played or however i guess we want to define it he actually asks about tht Taylor horton tucker or malik monk for our purposes let's throw in uh kendrick nunn because he is sure. sort of the only other young guy there but also you know, as a third-year guy in the league, has real potential to break out, I think, in, in the role that he has for the Lakers. Uh, how would you answer that question? Who Who is the most likely to have a breakthrough season in one form or another? Well, I mean, I can tell you who the Lakers <laughs> think is most likely and want to be most likely, and that's THT, because they have put a lot of stock in THT, whether you're talking about the financial backing of his three-year deal, I think it's $32 million, but also, too, just the way the roster is constructed, mm-hmm. there is both a lot of opportunity for THT, but I think in a lot of ways, a lot of necessity for him to take a, a really strong step moving forward. Yeah, I mean, to some degree they did. You know, the, that seems to be the the consensus around is that they, you know, they chose. They chose THT over Caruso. And they, there are a lot of reasons where you could say that makes a ton of sense. And there are a lot of reasons where you could say, at the very least, I know you've argued, Andy, that in the right now, Alex Caruso could be a more useful player down the road. THT, I think, ends up better. Oh, absolutely. But, THT right. has higher upside. But if you're looking for a safer bet to contribute right now, I mean, the the answer right now in terms of what we've seen is Alex Caruso. Right, because we you know, know exactly this. where his value is. Exactly. It, it, like. there's, there's no guessing with Caruso. And if anything, with this year's roster, that role that he had as a defensive closer, there could be a higher premium on it this year mm-hmm. because of who's there and who isn't there. Right. And so we'll see. I mean, hopefully Bays, I mean, I'm sure they hope Kent Bazemore makes up that, that sure. gap. Although there really is no reason that both of them couldn't have, have done it. But we'll, we're, right. not we're not looking, looking to relitigate it. Um, the, the interesting part of this question for me is what a breakout looks like for THT. Because I, I, I think it's either Monk or, I'm sorry, none or THD. I don't think it's Malik Monk. I think if Monk breaks out, I think he shows that last year wasn't a fluke. But if you look back at what he did, he wasn't a six man of the year. I don't see him elevating from like what he did last year to revelation who is, is a candidate for most improved player or something like that. I don't, th- I, don't see, I don't see that leap coming. I think what he can do if the, if the opportunity presents itself is validate last season, which, by the way, would be a great result for Monk in terms of the rest of his career. Sure. Um, THT, though, is fascinating to me because where Kendrick Nunn, I think, is a pretty clear and defined role of like what a breakout looks like. It's kind of like do what you did in Miami, backing up Russell Westbrook, Probably at least experimenting with playing next to him, but you're going to be a downhill scorer. You're going to shoot the ball. You when you and defend as well as you can, and that's going to be your impact. Like he he almost seems like a more classic sixth man in terms of what's going to be available to him to me than Monk does. Tht though, I wonder because you know he's a scorer. He's also a passer. He plays multiple positions, and I think there's a definite role in breaking out in terms of minutes played, uh, the impact that he has on the rotation. I don't know what it looks like statistically because I wonder if he starts to do more and play in more important situations and more important contexts. It almost looks like Kuzma, where 
the scoring kind of goes down, but all of a sudden you look up and he's like, wow, he's a much better basketball player. Great outcome for the Lakers. But I don't know what it looks like in terms of trying to define uh, like a breakout. It's like articulating that to somebody who doesn't live and watch the Lakers every day could be difficult even as THT has a breakout season because they don't think it's going to be 17 points a game, if that makes sense. I, I think they're counting on him for versatility and skill set, like the the different ways that he could be utilized. I think anywhere one through three, particularly, I think there's hope for small forward because like we've talked about before, Brian, this roster does not really have a true designated three. And next to LeBron and Westbrook, he could be the best combination of like rim attacking and playmaking on this team. Like there were times where we saw THT be damn near unstoppable getting to the basket against really, you know, veteran defenders, veteran defenses, experienced players. With a sneaky arsenal of moves, changing speeds and Euro mm -hmm. steps and all kinds of very sophisticated for a 20 year old. Yeah. And there were also times where his playmaking instincts and his vision, particularly off drives, were really, really good. And, and like you were saying, for somebody 20 years old, they were really precocious. But, you know, there's still that next step that's needed where you can do it all on a more consistent basis. And then defensively is where he just the areas where you're talking about where you may not see it on a stat sheet, but you will know if you watch it regularly. The defense is what's, I think, going to stand out the most. Like the idea of, okay, can you put him on the court and he is at minimum a defensive neutral and he's somebody that you don't have to worry about getting back cut to death all the time because he's losing his man, ball watching. Like if he does not have a primary assignment of the guy with the ball all the time, he just kind of doesn't know what to do or he kind of forgets what he's supposed to be doing. He, mm -hmm. His rotations aren't crisp. Like basically he mucks up the program. And, you know, for a defense that really I think is going to have to be more than ever about, you know, the the sum being greater than its parts, at least on paper, and, you know, us seeing what Frank Vogel really can do as a defensive coach and just implementing a system, and it doesn't really matter who's there because he's just able to communicate it so well and everybody buys in. It doesn't take a lot for one guy being out of sync to mess up the whole thing and for THT to really take I think that type of growth with responsibility for the Lakers he can't be the guy who's out of place all the time right well he, he, the two things are related if he's going to be the answer to who, who has the breakout season he's got to be the guy who can play some defense yeah and because he's not gonna be able to be on the floor long enough and in critical situations I, what what makes him I think so fun is that he's one of the only guys on the roster who you can look at. I mean, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit in the context of the, the young guys on Thursday's show. It's like you can still fill him with some of your imagination. And as a fan, mm -hmm. um, that's really fun. Like, you know, in a couple of years, we'll have a much better idea of what he is, but we don't know yet. And, you know, I will say this, a a breakout season that looks like the kind of thing where suddenly he's in line for most improved player or something like, you know, even in those conversations, whether he's going to get it or not, you want to talk about something that you can kind of mint the Lakers a title. That's pretty close. Like those cool. types of, of variances in how a player performs. If THD is that good and breaks out that way, 
it not only changes the trajectory of this year, it probably changes the trajectory of the Lakers for the next four or five. Well, okay. The comparison that I make a lot and I made it a lot during this offseason, Brian, is Andrew Bynum. And this was, you know, right down to it being his third season. Nobody other than maybe Jim Buss, because he was so damn invested in Bynum as, you know, the perception that that was his pick. Nobody saw that third year coming, but he was an absolute game changer. And like contrary to the mythology, Pau Gasol's arrival was not what sold Kobe on the Lakers being back in contention again and committing to the organization. It was Bynum. And like the six games that he played in January before getting hurt and was out for the season, he was averaging 17-12, nearly three assists, 70% from the field, over two blocks a game, like the plus minus with him on the court during those six games per basketball reference, plus 28.5. And he was nearly plus 12 for the 35 games he played. And I'm not necessarily expecting THT to make that leap, and it's not – Maybe as critical that he goes that high just because the Lakers and the opportunity, have and the opportunity won't be there. Sure, sure. But he, it's important that he like Bynum. You know, even maybe not to the same degree, but certainly within like the same, you know, the same sphere. It's important that he looks like a much different, more formed player on both sides of the ball. Where it's yeah, I would agree. Not as much about what you can envision for him, but it's really about what's there. Um. Yeah, so really appreciate everybody sending in all the mailbag questions. We had some great ones this week. We'll do some more next week uh, at Cam Brothers on Twitter, Brothers at gmail.com if you want to send us an email, or you can also leave us a five-star review on our iTunes show page, and that'll get it done as well. Uh, Andy, we've done a little bit of, of what if. We've had some fun with some what if scenarios um, earlier in the summer, and we'll keep doing it before training camp starts. Uh, Chris Weber. The uh, the soon to be Hall of Famer from the Sacramento Kings put out a fascinating one, yeah, that I didn't know about, but we can play around a little bit with that. We'll do it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it is impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership anyway? Dummy, you can get it for far less at rockauto.com. For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, 353 bucks from a chain store. It's only $216 at rockauto.com. They're a family business. They've been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, truck, right? Locked on in the, how did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Uh, Locked on Lakers also brought to you by Built Bar. If you're you're like me, you need something that's good for you, something that's healthy, that tastes good while you're running errands, while you're trying to get a workout in, trying. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you got to eat something. And if you're not working out, you want to eat something that won't make you feel disgusting and gross and uh, guilty for not getting to the gym. All of this, Built Bar, high in protein, but low in sugar and calories. And the improved Built Bar is even more delicious than before. Andy, they've got 18 flavors. They've got six new ones like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and cherry barcia. And Built Bar, if you're a person with a sweet tooth like I am, it calms that thing down because even without all the sugar, they're still coated in 100% chocolate. Like Unlike some protein bars, they're actually soft and easy to chew. They taste good. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Again, BuiltBar.com. Locked15 is your promo code. You get 15% off your order uh, at BuiltBar.com. So Chris Weber was always one of my favorite players to watch, you know, uh, you know, in my in my relative youth. Um, he said something, he's going to the Hall of Fame this weekend, 
and um you know obviously doing a bunch of interviews andy and, and all that kind of stuff part so of a something. good class man yeah really good uh, um, ben Wall- uh, Paul Pierce, Chris Bosch, uh, his old coach in Sacramento, Rick Adelman. Um, this is amazing. Bill Russell, who's already a member, getting inducted again for having broken ground as the NBA's first black head coach. Bill Russell could have his own damn wing just, in yeah, the Hall of Fame. Whatever he wants to be in the Hall of Fame for, he gets to be yeah. in the Hall of Fame. He's, the dude is just amazing. So, yeah, and so congratulations to all these guys. Um, and Weber, though, you know, doing the, maybe this is out there. I didn't know about it, but he said his preferred def- destination when he was being dealt out of Washington, and he ended up in Sacramento, obviously, was <laughs> which he what, said felt like a banishment. It did. I mean, well, <laughs> of course it did. <laughs> no, but it was his literal word. Five. Yeah. They were terrible, and this was in 1998. He got traded. They hadn't been. Uh, they hadn't been. Uh, you know, a winning team since '85. In that sense, they're very much like the Kings now. Um, but anyway, he wanted to be traded for the Lakers. And he said, quote, um, I thought that there was going to be a trade for Eldon Campbell, Eddie Jones, and Nick Van Exel for me. I wanted to go there, meaning the Lakers. I maybe again, maybe that was something out there that people knew. I didn't, and but my God, can you imagine how much fun a team with Kobe, Chris Weber, and Shaq would have been? That would have been one of the best passing front courts ever maybe maybe the best ever when you take into account era and what was expected of big men at the time because this was before passing bigs which my god i love Mm -hmm. that's before that was really in vogue weber averaged nearly four and a half assists per game as uh, in sacramento shack averaged three like those two together would have been just like symphonic they it would have been goddamn unbelievable watching the two of them operate as a four or five from a pure passing standpoint that's that's before you even bring into account what kobe could do as a passer oh yeah and like i mean i don't you we had talked before about like the pow and lamar odom front court which is obviously an amazing Oof. thing to watch but shaq Oof. was like shaq was not a a passer on the level i think of of pow but he was also freakishly huge like like to see some of the things that he could do as a passer in that frame was so disconcerting and so incredible like that that was its own deal and i just i mean i i always have a soft spot for c webb because like i I think i'm like you i just skilled big men particularly at that time guys who had that kind of versatility and you know in terms of Chris Weber as a Hall of Famer, he was always sort of a little bit fringy, I guess. Like you could argue he was hurt a lot and his peak wasn't long enough, maybe if you're somebody I, I don't care if he's in the Hall of Fame. I think he's certainly he's his he was a Hall of Fame caliber player. But the other part that I think is just so fascinating about this is like part of the reason he's considered a fringy Hall of Famer is because he never really had a lot of postseason success. And the reason he didn't have a lot of postseason success <laughs> is because he wasn't traded to the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. Like, he had to play against them instead. Like, so, like, he's in, if he ends up on the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq, he's a Hall of Famer three years ago. Five well, years you know ago, what? It's a, whatever it is. It, it's a lot like uh, the way, well, it's a lot like the way Malone and Stockton, you know, the, their ringlessness, you know, obviously timing is everything, but you want to talk about shitty timing. Those guys played together in an era that didn't just include the Jordan Pippen Bulls. You also had Rem, you also had Showtime. 
You had the bad boy Pistons. You had the Elijah Wan Rockets. You had the Spurs. Like all these different teams that were able to either go back to back or or win like multiple titles over like a three or five year span. Like Malone and Stockton, their timing was just horrible. If they had played like 15 years earlier, 15 years later, they very well could have gotten at least one championship. Maybe. You know, maybe, maybe not, but yeah, just, but just to, be that, you, to be that consistent and yeah. never like, you know, like the, 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 the LeBron has like one tie, like the, 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 they should, they, he really played terribly in that Dallas series. Like that's one that he kind of gave away, but like, you know, he, the, the, the jazz didn't even have really an opportunity to get there as a favorite. And then like, Oh man, but the, but they had, you know, 2003 or like some or 1996 or pick a number. I'm just, I'm obviously throwing out random dates. Like they didn't even have that. Like and to be as consistent and as good as they were for as long as they were. But I just, I look at, at Weber and it's just in, you know, the, the way that teams, and players can have their futures defined by stuff that's completely out of their control and how much luck and fortune that goes into this. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad to see him get in. I, I think it's cool. Uh, th- there was another thought exercise that hit, uh, hit me when I was really thinking about this scenario with Weber on the Kings. If Chris Weber, I mean, with Weber on the Lakers, if he's there during the Kobe Shaq Phil era, would the Lakers have had Robert Ori around? You know, because you're talking about big shot Bob and he hit all those big shots, like including against the Kings and Chris Weber would have been at his position, but a legit all-star cornerstone, but not a good shooter, not an outside shooter. But as it turned out, had this deal have happened on the timeline that Weber presented, Ori had already been re-signed. And this is what I thought was hilarious to a seven year, $35 million deal. Seven years. Remember, Brian, when Luke Walton had the six year deal, or as you mm-hmm. used to call it, the everlasting gobstopper of contracts. Yes. It was just it, the, the, A, the idea that, uh, Ori and Weber keep sucking on that thing and it just keeps changing colors, but it doesn't get any smaller. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's what a go- get your. That's what a gobstopper does. God, you're, what are you saying? Like you're trying. There's nothing dirty about that. I'm literally yeah. describing a gobstopper, you sicko. That's what I was thinking about too. I don't know what you're laughing at, but um, <laughs> the the 2002 Lakers would have had both Weber and Ori, which means those kings would have been seriously screwed. <laughs> but it's just it's just a, it's just kind of funny to think about, like. Just the rich getting richer because that's always the perception with the Lakers. You know, just goddamn, that would have been fun to watch. Like, it just would have been really, and you know, so much of Weber's perception, you know, is that of a guy that couldn't win. And I think a lot of it goes back to the timeout, you know, with Michigan, which by the way, too, the Fab Five era stuff that plays that's a role to get in. Absolutely. Right. And it should because the Fab Five era literally changed basketball culture beyond just they were really really good and really really fun to watch but like if you look at Weber like he may not have had a ton of playoff success but his teams largely got to the playoffs like I think two-thirds of his career was spent in the playoffs it didn't go quite long enough and he was hurt a lot and there was just but you know what? He is he was a remarkably skilled player and I don't so somebody's got to be in the bottom 15 20 percent of Hall of Famers and you know, it doesn't have to be only be the 15 best players who ever lived or whatever. 
Um, yeah. So congratulations to all those guys. Uh, it should be a lot of fun this weekend. Even Paul Pierce. Love, even Paul Pierce. Love seeing Ben Wallace get in. Yes. Um, we'll be back yes. next week. Probably take one day off, but we're going to keep churning through shows. We've got some fun stuff set up. And, uh, sign up for Locked on Lakers on YouTube. Subscribe. See everybody on Monday.